Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. I have a rather soft speaking voice. I'm going to check. Can you hear me in the back all right? Okay. They either went to the bathroom or I can speak one or the other. I'm not sure. In the churches of Christ and in our particular congregation, we don't have what you might call a mission statement. But if we were, our mission statement would be something along this line. Let's go back to the New Testament. Let's see what the early church did in the days of the New Testament as revealed from Matthew through Revelation. Let's do Bible things by Bible ways and call Bible things by Bible names. That means that we as members of Christ's church have to do things sometimes that might be a little bit on the painful side. It's easy for us to sit back. It's easy for Christians to sit back and look at a wicked world. It's easy to sit back and look at some of our denominational neighbors. They're our friends and we care about them. But many of them do not do what the Bible says the way the Bible says to do it. And it's easy to sit back and say, well, here's the Bible and here's what they're doing. And that's not according to the Bible. We want to go by the Bible. But then on the other hand, sometimes we need to take a pause and look at ourselves. If you're visiting with us this morning, we consider you our honored guest. Please consider this some internal housekeeping. This doesn't apply to you. But you get to see some of the dirt that we might sweep up on ourselves. Jesus said, why do you look at the log, at, at the speck in the other person's eye, and don't consider the log that is in your own eye? Maybe it's time for us to do a log examination. Okay, <clears throat> this is audience participation. Everybody please stand. And what we're going to do is, everybody on this side is going to move to that side, and that side to that side, the front to the back, and the back to the front. No, be seated. How did you feel about that? I'm used to sitting there, and I wasn't about to move over there. I might meet somebody. I might speak to somebody, talk to somebody that I don't know. What we're talking about is change. Change is normal and biblical, but change is oh so hard. In the last 25 years, this congregation has gone down in numbers. We used to be where we would pack this auditorium, and sometimes people were even standing in the back. I speak of this in a very loving and kind way simply because I and my family are invested in this congregation. Patsy, my wife, and her two sisters, Connie and Vernita, have been here since 59. I came up here in 64 and married Patsy. And boy, has there been a lot of change. 
but I care about this congregation. I've served as a teacher. I've served as a deacon. I've served as an elder. I was even the full-time pulpit morning preacher for about eight or nine months because I care about this church and I care about you and I know that you do too. But we may simply have to face the facts that we may need to do some changing. Everything is in change and decay. Everything is. If you go to any science book, they will tell you that the universe is changing. It's expanding. Nothing is static. Everything stays, stays on the move. Society is changing. And right now we could probably do three or four weeks worth of lessons on society and how it's changing. Unfortunately, not for the better. There are physiological changes from birth to death. Every day you look in the mirror and you see something maybe wasn't there last week or last month and you hope doesn't come back, but it does simply because of change. We change from babes in Christ, or at least we should be changing from babes in Christ, from those who need milk to those who eat meat. The writer of Hebrews said, by this time you ought to be eating meat. You've been a Christian all this time. Why are you still having milk? Unfortunately, it has been my experience that many members of Christ's church ask the same questions over and over and over. I know this because I used to do it. I can recall growing up that if some question came up, I would go and ask the preacher or ask an elder or ask somebody that I felt like was wise in the scriptures, and they would give me an answer. Okay, I got my answer. And within seven or eight months or a year or so later, that same question would come up. And what did I do? I went back to that same source. Never realizing that I was cheating myself in not doing my own personal evaluation, my own study, my own examination of the scriptures, my own examination of my own spiritual growth. I took the easy way. Otherwise, it would have meant that I needed to change and I wasn't willing to pay the the price. Whenever we think about change, we have to realize that as we grow, our focus changes. When we are babes in Christ, the focus is kind of on us. Everybody welcomes us, they assure us, they care about us, they teach us. But then after a while, we're sort of left on our own. And our task there as we mature in Christ is to change that focus from self to how can I serve one another? How can I help others? Can I help them mature? Are they bearing a burden that I don't know about? Right now, each one of us wears a mask. We want others to see a certain persona that we have. But in this congregation, in this assembly right now, 
there's some that are bearing some very heavy burdens. It may be because of the actions of a loved one. It may be due to depression. It may be financial difficulties. It may be a spiritual crisis. Almost every crisis we have in our life can be traced back to a spiritual problem, a spiritual crisis. And when we take care of that, it tends to take care of the others. One source of resistance to change is ignorance. Listen to what Paul said. I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. God gives us a lot of grace as far as our personal growth is concerned. He realizes that we're ignorant, but there's no excuse to remain ignorant. My granddaddy used to say, there's a difference between ignorance and stupidity. Ignorance is when you don't know. Stupidity is when you don't know and you don't care to find out. And I would pray that any shortfall that you and I might have in our spiritual growth would be simply due to ignorance and that we're willing to change that. We sometimes are afraid to change. I don't know if I could change from sitting right there to sitting over there. I don't know what it is about it that keeps me from doing that. But somewhere inside of me, there's a little bit of fear of change. What if we came to services next Sunday and all the chairs were arranged into two big aisles? I can promise you there would be an emergency meeting with the elders. (laughs) It has to be that way. Let me tell you about... the yellow, the mustard church building. When this congregation met at 10th and B, we drove to services one morning. The building was painted mustard. It was horrible. It was sickening. I could give some more descriptors, but that will convey, I think, what happened. Sure enough, there was buzz, 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 buzz in all the aisles. Everybody was talking to each other. There was an emergency meeting of the elders right after services, and the elder that was in charge of the buildings and grounds was put on the spot. They called him and said, what do you mean with this building being painted mustard? He said, let me get a hold of the deacon in charge of that. The deacon came in, and he didn't seem to be particularly ashamed or anything. He was happy and bubbly. And so they asked him, said, why did you paint this building mustard? He said, you told me to paint the building. I like it. The elder said, that's right, we told him to do it. It's okay. But you're talking about changing a congregation. They had to let it go for a while simply to support him. But that change upset a lot of people. And it's, it's inexplicable. It's something that's deep down inside because it's different from what we're used to. Think about it, though. Christ's church is different 
from the denominational world. We're different in our worship, in our praise, in our prayer, in our outlook on life, in our care for one another. And sometimes it's a little bit daunting to realize that we have that responsibility to grow, not only in the Lord, but to grow to one another as well. Some of us are a little bit harder to love than others, but everybody needs love. Now, suppose somebody says, well, I might make a mistake. I might not be the Christian example that I really want to be and should be and ought to be. Therefore, I will do nothing. There are only two ways to mess up growing in Christ. Number one, to hide your talent in the ground and give it back to the Lord when he comes again. Or number two, reach out. Ships are made not to rest in the harbor, but to go out into the deep waves. Somebody says, well, I might mess up. I I might not communicate effectively. The only way that you can mess up being a Christian example, growing in Christ, reaching out to brothers and sisters in the world, the only way you can mess up is by showing anger. And you're not going to do that. The worst that can happen is somebody will say or do something and ask you about it, and you have to say, I don't know. Guess what? That's an answer. That's a good answer. Have you ever met somebody that couldn't say that? Don't make it up as you go along. Say, I don't know, but I'll find out. And then you come get help. There's no excuse for any one of us not to reach out to the world, even though it involves change. Unfortunately, we sometimes misunderstand change. It is not a destination, but a journey. There's a sad situation recorded in Luke 12. There was a man who was quite wealthy, and he sat back and he said to himself, Soul, you have gained many possessions for your life. I'll tear down my old barns, build new barns, bigger barns, and I'll sit back and take my knees and I'll say, Soul, you have many goods laid up for this life. Eat, drink, and be merry. And the Lord said, You fool. Tonight your soul will be required of you. Every one of us is going to attend a funeral, and it'll be ours. Every one of us has a responsibility to reach outward and not inward. Rich man in Lazarus in Luke 16 is very, very revealing to me. The rich man took it easy. Lazarus suffered immeasurable hurt. The dogs came and licked his sores. And yet it was the poor man, because of his love for the Lord apparently, was taken to God. So that makes us ask this question. 
What is our mission in life? Is it that job we go to every morning? Is it the school that we attend? Is it the neighbors that we try to visit with? Is it members of the church that we congregate with? What is our real mission in life, individually and collectively as a congregation? Jesus said in Luke 19.10, I have come to seek and save the lost. There are members of this congregation that are lost because of their behavior, because they've lost their first love, because they no longer assemble with the saints. And it's easy to come and sit here and still have lost our first love. When we partook of the Lord's Supper, did we actually visualize Jesus being hanged on a cross? His blood flowing for us? Or was that for someone that was a real sinner? Maybe a murderer or a liar or a thief or an adulterer. Or was it for us too? Our job as Christians is not to be so focused on this world that we let the world become us and affect us over the mission that Jesus Christ has given us to seek and save the lost. Change is a destination is not a destination but a journey as you know from standing and wanting to change seats a minute ago change is uncomfortable change is coasting is comfortable but it is deadly coasting is sin as we look back over the last 25 years or so let us ask ourselves first individually are we coasting or are we growing? As a congregation, are we coasting, glad to keep what we have, or are we growing? Some of the saddest words I think I've ever heard were at the Alaska State Lectureship over the last several years. They didn't do it this year to my knowledge. But over the last several years, many years, they would have what's called, the men would get together while the women had their class. The men would get together and have what they called congregational reports about what the congregation had been doing. Ostensibly, this was to be positive and growth-producing, supportive and encouraging. But I have lost track of the number of men who would say, well... We're holding our own, and we're proud of it. Life is a river. You're either swimming or you're floating downstream. There's no such thing as holding our own. And for the last 25 years, we need to seriously look at that log that's in our eyes, that may be in our lives, and ask ourselves, what are we doing to grow. Let's look at some positive avenues for, for prayer. I freely admit this is not what you would call a normal sermon. I'm just more sharing some thoughts with you informally. 
and giving you some things perhaps to think about and to pray about. And one thing that we need to do is to look at our prayer lives. Do we pray outside of congregational prayer? Prayer means that you have to take off the mask. You have to open yourself. You have to look at yourself and realize that God sees you not as you see you, but he sees you as you really are. He sees each one of us, our hopes, our dreams, our fears, and our sins. How comfortable would you go up to someone right now and say, let me tell you all about my sins? It's not happening. It's very unlikely. But God already knows anyway. And he loves us. And he has grace and mercy no matter how much and how often we mess up. He knows that we may strive for the stars but we wind up in the dust. He knows that and understands it. And as we pray, we not only pray for ourselves, we pray for one another. There's a couple in this congregation that have been so gracious to Patsy and to me. And one of the most gracious things that I've ever heard is, we are praying for you. That gives me such courage and such hope when I face a challenge. The father said, after his boy, he wanted Jesus to heal his son. Jesus said, do you believe? And he said, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. In each one of us, there is a level of belief. But there's also a level of unbelief. And our job as Christians is to grow and to, to be nurtured by our own study and our prayer and our dedication and our commitment to our mission. And that is to seek and save the lost and encourage one another. Now we also need to talk a little bit about involvement. These are some action steps. Number one is your contribution to Christ's church. Is it just attendance, or is there more to it than that? Did Christ come and call us to attend services? Well, yeah, we meet together. The early church did that. We want to be like the early church, so that's what we do. It's a joy to do that. Everyone here is a missionary. We pray for our missionaries, but if we have a mission, then we're missionaries. We don't have any choice about it except to be unfaithful missionaries. Each one of us needs to reach out to one another. May I make a suggestion? I know because I've done it myself. I've caught myself literally walking by somebody with thoughts in my head about this or that or the other, and I took about three steps and realized I walked by that person and did not even look at them. I didn't even smile. I didn't acknowledge that they were there. 
may I suggest that from this moment on, we make it our mission to look at one another when we mill about. Now, <clears throat> faith without works is dead. So we need to practice. Everybody smile. This is a one sincere smile. Well, maybe not so much. But let's look at each other and smile and make somebody say, wow, that makes me want to come back. That makes me feel closer to another. That's much better than having to deal with a mugwump. You know what a mugwump is? A mugwump is a bird that sits on the fence with his head on one side and his wump on the other. And there's no place for mugwumps unless you have a problem. Then that's when you let us know. That's when you let someone know. How can we bear one another's burdens if we don't know one another? How can we bear one another's burdens if we don't know what the burdens are? I remember a lady in a different congregation specifically stating that she did not want any announcement about her being in the hospital. Zero information. Not a none. A few months after that, she was complaining because nobody visited her in the hospital. That's a human frailty that we have of being inconsistent. But when we have that mission that we care about somebody, when they're not here, we miss them. If they're sick, we care about them. If they need spiritual help, you know, there's nothing like maybe meeting together for a cup of coffee or, if you insist, a cup of tea. But there's nothing like meeting somebody with that and just visiting and talking. Personal study. I would like to encourage you, challenge you, to go back to the Scriptures and see what the Scripture says about studying. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God. Did you know that there are some great tools for personal Bible study? In our bulletin, we heard about uh, WBS, World Bible School, there's another one called WVBS, or Video Bible School. Great, great opportunities there. And I'd like to share one with you that's my personal favorite. There's a video series called the Jewel Miller series. Some of you are familiar with it. And it's a video that goes through the entire Bible from the beginning, from Genesis all the way through to where the different churches come from. The joyful thing is, you don't have to have a video. It is captured here in booklets from the very beginning all the way to the end. There are five booklets, five sessions, but I wouldn't necessarily suggest that you take all five, but get Jewel Miller booklet number one. The pictures of the video are here, the narration is here, but most importantly, the scriptures are here, so that you can go back and see if these things are what the Bible says. 
there's going to be some out on the table when you leave today. Feel free to get the whole packet if you want to, or just get one. Go through it and see what you think about it. But there are plenty of resources for our own personal study, which is what Christians are expected to do. Now, the question is not whether we're going to change or not. We are definitely changing. We're changing socially. We're changing politically. We're changing biologically. I hate to be the one to tell you this, but we're getting old. My grandkids keep telling me, Papa, you're getting old. I look in the mirror. I'm getting old. It doesn't look so great. I'm not saying that I'm old. But when I was young, the Dead Sea was known simply as the sea. So that's going back a little ways. I am getting kind of old. But this morning, and we say this very lovingly and very kindly, that as we change, that change needs to be positive. We need to realize that in our commitment, that includes all of our lives. Let's talk about money. I'm afraid that there are some in this congregation who feel like that they do not have to contribute money. They do not have to contribute. Tell you what, let's do. If you feel that way, let me borrow your car. I put no gas in it. I won't pay for the insurance. I won't pay for the upkeep. I will tell you when it needs to be washed and cleaned. And if it needs anything, I'll bring it to you so you can take care of it. Let's me and you share your car. Uh, let's me and you share this church. But I'll do all the payments. I'll do all the upkeep. You know, we have some deacons and some Bible class teachers that are doing a tremendous work around here. They could use some help. They would you love to have the blessing of you. But every member that has an income has a responsibility. If you have no income at all, no prospect of income, you don't have a phone, you don't have a watch, you don't have a car, your billfold is empty, please come to me after services and let me visit with you. No one at this time has to give all, but everyone needs to give some. Everyone needs to give some. Jesus talks about money. The New Testament talks about money. This is not a money-grubbing church. By the way, I will reiterate what my nephew said just a minute ago. Russ got up here and said the contribution... Is for members of the Anchorage Church of Christ, our church family. We have visitors sometimes that are very kind and gracious, and they give, and we appreciate that. But it's not required. You will never, ever find this church or any scriptural church of Christ 
asking for a dime for anyone outside the church. This is our job. But if we don't do our part of the job, it won't get done. Our money may possibly determine where we spend eternity. This is part of our commitment. This is part of our mission. We're changing. How are we changing? We have to ask this question. Are we growing in Christ or sitting still and rotting? That question is up to you. And I'll leave you with this warm encouragement. Things are going to get better because we care about the Lord, we care about His people, we care about the Word, and we care about a lost and dying world. If it gets too easy, we may be going downhill. The story is told that Alexander the Great was watching his troops one day. As he looked out over the field of battle, they were doing great except in one area. In one area, the enemy kept making advances and defeating the tro- his troops. So he sent a courier over to call that commander back. And the commander came back and said, Here I am, sir. Alexander the Great said, First, tell me what is your name? He says, My name is Alexander. And Alexander the Great looked at him and said, You need to either change your behavior or change your name. We're Christians. We're Christ-like. We're the Anchorage Church of Christ. What would Alexander the Great say to us? I'm hoping that each one of you will make a response individually to God, to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to our brothers and sisters that are sitting here with us, and to those who are not here, that we will realize our mission to a lost and dying world. Anchorage is sin city. They need Jesus Christ so much. And the avenue to the, for them is you and me. What would Alexander the Great say to you? If you're subject to the invitation and need our prayers or encouragement in any way, please come forward as we stand and sing. There's a for you.